Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another Slycast on the iHeartRadio app. Joining me now is Rick Wills, who is coming back to join Foreigner for the show in Madison at the Sylvie on March 15th. Rick is is an interesting man in that he's a bass player, and bass players never get the credit they deserve, right? Absolutely correct, sir. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you read Getty Lee's book, The Big Beautiful Book of Bass? Um, I haven't actually, not that one. No, I mean I've read a lot of people's books about you know about things, but as you say, bass players don't always get the best uh, look in here. You yeah, know? I, I don't. Why is that? Well, I don't know, really, because, I mean, I think without them, what, what would you be? You know, I mean, there'd be, the rhythm section wouldn't be a rhythm section. You'd be air supply is what you'd be. That's what you'd be. <laughs> <laughs> you're right there. <laughs> All right, so tell me why you're coming back. Well, a couple of years ago, with the, the most, well, the original members in Florida, that's Lou Graham, Mick Jones, Al Greenwood, Ian McDonald, myself, um, we, we got together up in Michigan to do a couple of shows just to see how it would go, how it would work, if we could still, you know, do it together. And it went so well. And what happened was the current band that's out there on, you know, on tour these days with Kelly Hansen fronting it, they did half the show and then we came out and finished the show and then at the end we all were on stage. And it was just a, such a good vibe. It was such a good feeling that we said, hey, we've we got to do more of this. So we did a few more shows around the country. And then one or two of the guys, like Dennis and uh, Lou, they, they were, you know, Lou's been through a lot of serious illness in his life. Right. And uh, they, they found it difficult to do the traveling and the touring. But people like Al Greenwood, myself, Mick Jones, we still really like to get out on the road when we can. We don't do all the shows, but we try and do, we're going to try and do as many as we can now. So how is the show going to work? Are you going to play the whole show? Nope. No, I don't. No, the, I mean, what usually happens is the current band comes out and they start the show and, you know, it's, it's, they're so powerful and they're so good. I mean, they're all brilliant musicians. And they do foreigners. I mean, that's, that's what they do. And, there's, and Mick Jones will then come out uh, two or three songs into the set. And then towards the end of the show, usually Al and I will come on and we finish the show with them. Have you ever thought of, of Van Edwards, the program director, and I were talking about Foreigner's first album? Yeah. And that it's a masterpiece. It is. Yeah. There's not a bad song, on, or even a weak or just so-so song. The whole thing is strong. You probably could have even had more hits off that album, right? Probably, yeah. Okay. I mean, have you ever thought of, you know, the Eagles are out on tour right now playing Hotel California in its entirety. They brought, uh -huh. they brought an orchestra with them, a horn section. Uh, yep. Have you guys ever thought of doing that first album in its entirety out on the road? Well, it's a good idea because, I mean, we could. I mean, we've basically, over the years, played just about all the songs off of every album. Right. It's one format or another. And by the way, that's not I mean, to take anything away from Double Vision or Head Games or, you know, I love Rev on the Red Line, man. I could hear that over and over, but... Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a Lou Graham song for, you know, that's, that was him in Rochester, revving on the Red Line in yeah. his car. 
Yeah. No, there's, there's some great songs. When I first heard Feels Like the First Time, I just knew that band was going to take off because it was just a brilliant song. It really was. It's, and it was so radio-friendly as well. And, you know, I've known, I've known Mick since 1966. I met him in Paris when I was there with David Gilmore. And so we've gone back a long way. So it was funny how years later our paths would cross and I would end up in Foreigner. How I'm was very it? proud of it, too. Well, you should be. Uh, how was it having a band that was half American, half uh, British? Well, it was interesting because I think... You know, the British have got a different sense of humor <laughs> to Americans. In some, I mean, we're pretty silly sometimes, I must admit. But that's just the way we are, and we enjoy it. And I think the Americans in the band really enjoyed our humor. You know, we used to make them laugh. We used to tell them stupid jokes and stuff. And it just worked. I mean, it, there was a good combination because we were based in New York. We were based in the States more than anywhere else. And that's where the whole thing came together. And, you know, for those first few years... It worked very, very well. When I came into the band for Head Games, um, we were, they were just on a roll. I mean, they'd had the first album in Double Vision, which had been huge. Um, so there wasn't much that could go wrong, really, at that point, except we just got to keep you know, coming up with the good songs. And luckily, Lou and Mick did. You know, it, it's sad, but for some reason, I don't know if you know this, but there are some snobs that make a decision whether bands go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And for some reason, uh, because Foreigner doesn't do songs about politics or, you know, strife in poor countries, you, you write about love songs, you write about life, uh, and, you, and you actually had fans that filled arenas, uh, they hold that against you for some reason. Uh, well, it, it doesn't make any sense, really, does it? I no, mean, it doesn't make thing. any sense at all. Yeah, you know, it's just crazy because, I mean, I mean, over the years, I mean, I think we're, I'm right in saying we've sold something like 75 million albums over the world. That's a That's couple. That's a hell of a, a career. <laughs> you know, and, and to be ignored by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, is well, to be perfectly honest, is quite hurtful because we, we would like to be part of that family. You know, I mean, Mick and Lou have been inducted into the, the Writers Hall of Fame, right. which is quite, quite right. Which was, which was a really touching moment. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's like it's just odd sometimes when you see some of the names that get nominated. You think, why? Because some of it hasn't even rock and roll. Oh, really? You know, Janet Jackson? That's not rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to mention names, but <laughs> and it that's ain't not, rock and roll she's to a, me, brother. <laughs> listen, she's a very talented musician, but it's not rock and roll. No, it ain't. Yeah, I mean that was what it was all set up to, you know, all about when Jan went, you know, started that whole thing with Rolling Stone magazine. I mean, it's just I don't know. Well, you've done I, work. I, with, I just don't understand it. It's it's beyond all of us at well, times. You've done work with Bad Company. Can you believe Bad Company's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I mean, are you kidding? I mean, same deal. I mean, come on. I mean, when they came out in '73 with that album, they just blew everybody away. It was an amazing album with great songs, and all of the guys in the band, Paul, Simon, Mick, Boz, I mean, they were just amazing. What is Paul Why Ro they're not there, I do not know. You see, really you've done don't. some work with Bad Company. What, what, is, what is Paul Rogers like? Um, at times, a little difficult. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I'm trying to be tactful here, by the way. <laughs> a little difficult, huh? Yeah, he can be a little prickly. I mean, he can be difficult, Paul, but he's a lot better these days now that he's given up drinking and other things. <laughs> you know? Oh, we all, be... we all mellow a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the same with us too. I mean, when we were younger, we were a little bit impetuous and sometimes we'd fly off the handle for silly things, which were probably brought on by alcohol and whatever. But today, I mean, like, I mean, Mick doesn't drink anymore. A lot of the guys in the band don't touch anything at all. So we're, we're all much more mellow and more balanced in our behavior. How did you get in Foreigner and how did you get out of Foreigner? <laughs> well, it's a good story how I got into Foreigner, because back in 72, when I joined Peter Frampton after he left Humble Pie, the first song we ever sat down and wrote together was Do You Feel Like We Do? And not knowing that years later in 76, it was going to be such a huge song on a massive album, live album. I mean, it, for me, it was like, you know, that was like three songs in one because it became a 13-minute live track. I also co-wrote with him Doobie one of the other songs on that album. So I knew that I was owed some money. And I came over to New York to just check out the management of Peter, a guy called D. Anthony. I went to see him. I said, D, I believe I'm owed some money. He said, Rick, there is no doubt about it. You're owed a lot of money. But we're still doing the accounting because this thing's so big. <laughs> he said, but what I can do, I can cut you a check today. And he did. He gave me a check for $35,000 right there made out to cash i was i mean i was just bewildered i was blown away i never had that much money <laughs> in my life so i went down to the bank that was right underneath it where their offices were on park avenue and i i went to the teller i said can i cash this check please he said are you crazy this is new york you know you you can't go out of here with that kind of money you'll get mugged i said well what do i do he said i'll tell you what we're going to do we're going to open a safety safe deposit box downstairs we're going to put your money in there and then you can come in wherever you like and take some out some money you know when you need it and so that's what happened and in the very next week i heard the foreigner were auditioning for a bass player so i got hold of touch with mick and said i'm in town i'd love to come and try out with the band i know your stuff i know some of the songs he said right come over to sir studios and i think i was probably one of the first ones to go in and audition I played Hot-Blooded, I played Cold as Ice, Double Vision, and Dennis Elliott, the drummer, just got down off his drum kit and said, I want him, I want you, Rick, in the band. And Mick said, whoa, whoa, Dennis, you, know, you can't just do that, we've got a lot of guys to try out. But that's what happened, and for the next two or three weeks while I hung around in New York, I had to wait, you know, and see what was happening. And meanwhile, back in London, my kids both came down with chickenpox, and my wife was going crazy. So she said, please come home. And I said, but I, I really don't want to because I want this job. <laughs> and uh, I did go back to London. And the very next morning, the phone rang, and it was Bud Prager and Mick Jones at their office saying, uh, hey, Rick, uh, how you doing? I said, well, I'm kind of jet-lagged, actually. He said, well, you're going to feel pretty good. I said, why? He said, you've just got the job with Foreigner. And boy, did that change our lives. I mean, really did. I had to go straight back to Heathrow, pick up a ticket, and get back to New York to start in rehearsals for head games. And that's how it came about. So thanks to Peter Frampton, thanks to all those other things, I got into Foreigner. All right, so this band is on fire. Yeah. Right? How did that oh, change yeah. your life? Well, totally, because A, I had to move out of London and move to New York pretty much straight away and leave my wife and kids there while I was recording because we were in the studio for the next three or four months, either in New York or out in L.A. So eventually, when we actually finished the album, I rented a house up in Westchester County in New York, 
I brought my wife and kids over and then proceeded to go out on tour. Well, my wife and the kids settled into living in America. You know, it was a whole different world for them. We had to start a new home, a new schooling for the kids, everything. Everything changed for for the good because, you know, for the first time really in my life, I was in a band that was first class in everything they did. I mean, it was a really professionally well-run whole thing was great. And the record company was so behind us that they promoted us well. The tours went great. We went all over the world. What's not to like about that? Right, right. <laughs> you know, it was great. It was just a brilliant thing for me. Although for, for some people, stardom kills them. Yeah, well, he didn't do that to me because I'd been on a long upward scale on the ladder, you know, step by step. You know, I'd have, you know, we're starting out with David Gill and then on to um, Peter Frampton. I've worked with Roxy Music. I've worked with The Small Faces. I've worked with lots of different people in my life. Leonard so Skinner. Leonard Skinner. I did, yes. <laughs> Not many people know that. I did eight weeks with Leonard Skinner when Leon went into rehab. And that was an experience in itself, I have to tell you, because, you know, those guys back in the day were pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. You think? But it was great fun. I mean, they're lovely guys. I mean, they really are really lovely guys. All right. Why did you leave Foreigner in 92? Well, what happened was towards the end, I say around sort of 1991, Lou uh, made a solo album, as you probably know. Sure. And he started getting involved in that world, and people were telling him, you know, you're the voice of Foreigner. You're the important one. We're, we're going to push you. And it, it kind of it really hurt Mick a lot at that time. And Mick started looking around for other singers, and we came across this guy called Johnny Edwards out in L.A., and we got him into the band, and it, it just it changed things. And gradually, we would, you know, we would do shows, and Dennis just wasn't happy. He said, I really don't feel this is the right same band anymore. And when he decided he'd had enough, I knew I couldn't carry on, because he was my anchor. He was the man I played with all the time. He's the drummer. And we were very close friends as well. So um, I decided to quit at that point. And that's when I rang Simon Kirk in Bad Company. I said, I'm looking for a gig, Simon. Are you touring this year? And he said, well, we're just about to change baseball, so you'll be perfect. So I just walked into Bad Company out of Foreigner and did 10 years with them. All right. And then did you return to Foreigner other than for this latest stint? No, not really. I mean, we all kept in touch in a way, you know, on the road or wherever. But it was like the, the manager today, Phil Carson, he said, how do you feel about doing some shows together with the original guys? And we all t thought about it and said, well, let's see how it goes. So we organized rehearsals in New Jersey, in New York, and uh, got together and it just fell into place, really. It was a no-brainer. We just said, we've got to do this. How often do you come back in the band now? Well, I'm going to try and do more shows this year than I've done in, in the past. Let's put it that way. I can't say exactly how many, but this leg, I'm doing about eight to ten shows. Um, in the, later in the year, after they've done Europe and the UK, I'll probably do some more. I mean, I'm, I'm aiming to do at least another 15 or 20 shows this year as well. With either with Al Greenwood, and I know Mick will be there. So, you know, it's it's just something that's ongoing. The Kelly Hansen, the, the front man, he loves us being there. The band are so respectful to us. And they just, they just think it's a great way to end the show for the fans' sake. Because there's a lot of people who still have this thing about, well, if Lou's not there, it ain't foreign, you know. And that's just not fair because Kelly does 
a fantastic job. He, do, he does. You know, some bands are able to pull this off, and some aren't. Uh, Kansas, yeah. Kansas is able to pull it off. Yeah, uh, right. I, I agree. Uh, Foreigner I is as well. Uh, you know, I think with some bands, In Excess was never to, able to pull it off without Michael Hutchins. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we don't get many complaints after we've played. Put it that way. No, not at all. Not at you all. Know, so, I so think you know, we go away happy. So we've got a couple choir groups that are competing to back you guys up when you when you do. I want to know what love is. I don't know if you're going to be playing bass on that song or not. Yeah, but, I, I, I will be. Yeah. Okay. So w- one of the two competing choral groups is my alma mater, James Madison Memorial High School. Uh-huh. Okay, so I'm really pulling for them to win. I know I'm not okay. supposed to put my thumb on the scale, but, boy, it'll be awesome to see if my high school is able to, to back you guys up. Because that's a well, really cool thing. Yeah, I mean, I think you can use a little influence there. So <laughs> well, no, the fact, we're, letting the, we're letting the listeners vote, so I... <laughs> I have been told to keep my big nose out of it. <laughs> but it, do you enjoy having that, that choir in the background? Yeah, because it adds to the whole atmosphere of the song. You know, when they walk out after the first chorus, in the first, well, after the first chorus, the crowd go nuts because they, they just love the fact that you know, all these people are walking on stage to join the band. So, yeah, it really works. I, uh... I was getting my hair cut, and the woman that was cutting my hair was telling her uh, how Foreigner does this, and she goes, oh, that doesn't work for that song. So I, you know, while she's cutting my hair, I, I pull up my smartphone, and I start playing the video. And the look, yeah. on, the look on her face when she starts listening, she goes, oh, my God, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, she didn't mess up my hair with the clipper, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, when that choir came in from New Jersey when we were recording this song, uh, it made your hair stand on end. I mean, it really did. Yeah. It was one of those moments that were pure magic. It was like, wow, what have we got here? This is big. Have you got a favorite yeah. foreigner song? I've got a lot of favorite foreigner songs. I mean, you know, I love the fact, I mean, I love feels like the first time. I love um, Double Vision. I love Head Games. I love Dirty White Boy, all those songs. Because they, they all mean something. You know, to me, I've, I've been playing those songs for a long time now, but I love playing them more even now. I really do. It's pretty remarkable. And I've, all these years, I've been playing Foreigner on the radio, and I've been on radio 41 years. Congratulations. I've, I've never had a chance to see Foreigner. Oh, boy. So You've missed out. <laughs> yeah, I've missed out. So uh, this will be the first time I get a chance to see Foreigner. Well, Sly, I look forward to meeting you yeah. on that day. I am looking forward to meeting you, and I thank you so much for providing us with some time today. You're very welcome, uh, and I you know, hope all the fans that come have a great time, and we're going to play all the hits for them, that's for sure. All right. Rick Wills, thanks for coming on. You're very welcome, Sly. Have a great day. You too. All right. All right, now. Bye, all right. now. bye now. Bye now. Bye. That wraps up another Slycast uh, right here on WIBA-FM and iHeartRadio app. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.